Hello and welcome to BagaCast for the 8th week of the Spring 2017 anime season. I am your host Dustin and with me today is Larry. Hello. And Ben. Hi. Aaron is not with us today because Sekai Surukado is a clip show and that's the only anime he watches anymore. Uh, so he will not be joining us. Uh, as always, you can uh, find show notes for this episode either on projecttari.net or at audioentropy.com. Uh, instead of starting with Alice, though, we're going to talk about, well, Ben and I, at least, are going to talk about the Attack on Titan manga a little bit. Uh, we're not going to do uh, spoilers. We're going to try and keep it as spoiler-free as we can. Um for anything the manga covers after where the show currently is, uh, which I checked Wikipedia, and the show apparently just showed the conclusion to, like, the uh, Armored Titan and Colossus Titan fight. Yep. Yeah, so we we won't be spoiling anything after that. I'll just kind of be giving general impressions of what I thought. Uh... I have very mixed feelings about the Attack on Titan manga, to be perfectly honest. Um, though I do think it's a lot... I do like it a lot more as a manga than an anime. Um, and not even for just story-based reasons, but for, like, structural reasons. Because... <clears throat> I feel like... I mean, w- one thing that's a little bit superficial but bugs me is that um like in the anime uh in the manga i i really should get the author's name correctly uh, here. hajime isayama yes hajime isayama so uh isayama really likes to have his characters do dramatic speeches or at the very least talk in a dramatic fashion and uh this leads to many 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 pages over the course of the entire manga where the word bubbles will be like large and contain maybe three or four words and an entire speech like entire like three four or five sentence speech will take about as many pages uh and that that goes a lot quicker when you're just like going through manga pages than it is when you're like watching the equivalent happen on a TV show and it takes 30 seconds for a dude to make a point. And it's not that I don't, it's not that I have something against dramatic speeches inherently. It just happens a lot. Like to the point where it kind of loses, loses impact. It's like, Oh, okay. A dude's talking tough again. Um, a more substantial problem I have though is that, uh, and I'm kind of getting all my criticisms out of the way first, uh, because I want to end on a positive note. Uh, But one of the more substantial problems I have with the anime, actually, that I feel is done better in the manga is the the gore, actually. Um, Because in the manga, it's, it's actually more stark and matter of fact, I feel. Uh, in the anime, it's very, like, a lot of the gore is, like, drawn out and kind of, like, d- 
dramatized and I, I don't say I don't want to say glamorized or glorified but it the anime kind of revels in it which doesn't happen much in the manga typically like when a dude is getting pulled apart and they want you to know that it'll cut to a panel where you see the dude in the process of getting pulled apart and that's it oftentimes it won't even do a close-up of them um like and it, and it tends to reserve more detailed like depictions for major characters um that doesn't happen very often but yeah like i actually feel like the gore works better in the manga simply because it's less time like it, it's less uh Yeah, it just it revels in the gore less, um, and I think it works better for that because, like, oh, gore is happening, dang. Um, so yeah, like the manga definitely bothered me less in that regard, um, which is something I've c- sort of constantly been on the anime for since about halfway through the first season. Um, I'll sort of pause for for a moment to let Ben get a word in edgewise. <laughs> Right. I see where you're coming from with these uh, criticisms. Uh, and for me, they're... Yeah, it, they're not a deal-breaker for me. Uh, yeah, although I, I agree, yeah, one aspect of the anime that kind of annoyed me is like, yeah, is like, yeah, when it's, is that when a Titan is like, you know, killing some dude, they're like... Cu- like, it always has them spending several seconds, like, screaming and begging for their lives. And, yeah, that happens way too often. And that aspect is kind of annoying. The gore itself, yeah. I don't have a major problem with. Um, one of the things I was most worried about, actually, and, and kind of why I wanted to jump ahead by reading the manga is that the mysteries would be resolved in sort of like a unsatisfying fashion. Um, and I'm happy to report that, like, that is not really the case. Um, I do have some issues with some plot reveals, but overall I feel like the mysteries that are revealed, like, both... It's not sort of a lost situation where opening up the mystery box just reveals more mystery boxes inside without any sort of like feeling of closure to anything uh, uh because yeah. like you you get closure on a mystery but then that just brings up more complications and additional connected mysteries but like you still get that closure from that particular question yeah um, yeah although yeah the latest reveal <laughs> the latest set of reveals when yeah aaron gets to the when Aaron and company actually get to the basement and, like, actually figure out the secret that his father has been keeping the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a game changer. Yeah, like, that, yeah, that one actually just completely flips the dynamic. Like, it, it actually flips the genre of the manga, I'd, I'd argue. Um, which normally I'd be like, oh, come on, really? Uh, but I think it works pretty well, honestly. Um, the, the only thing that kind of, like, bugged me about a lot of the reveals 
is just how extremely convenient it is that so many important people all just happen to get into the ex- into like the same group and become friends. <laughs> they're like it's it, it's sort of like every important character in the mythos is like in Aaron's group. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I wouldn't say that's a coincidence. That's more I mean, like, yeah. I mean, some like there. There's a good explanation for some of it, uh, but others is just like, okay, <laughs> all right, sure, whatever. Um, it, it, I'd say it's half and half. Where like some some of it is, I think, some of the like convenience is explained through like plot reasons that make some sense in how like the world works and other times it, it just feels like okay this is just very this is like the author going like okay this is just they're just gonna already have this part uh specifically in relating to like revealing a character backstory or something like that uh, but ultimately that's kind of more of a nitpick um i do think a lot is added to levi's character later on um, he, he gets some very good characterization as the manga goes on. Aaron kind of stays largely the same. Um, he, he's never bad or annoying, uh, but I, like, he's never the one I'm necessarily most interested in, ever. Uh, I, I feel, I feel like Armin and yes. Levi uh, Ar- Armin for tend sure. to get tend to get the bulk of the character development and are made into far more developed characters than Aaron and Mikasa are. Yeah, Armin, he's like, he's the character I, I, I have, like, I'm invested in the most. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, to the point where, like, there there is a, there is a thing that happens uh, very late in the manga right now i think around like chapter like the late 80s or something like chapter 87 or something i can't remember exactly but uh where something that happens to him and like i get very concerned (laughs) in a way that i i haven't really gotten for other characters or like or like if if uh, when other characters get death flags i kind of like don't really like, I'm interested in a purely narrative standpoint, but I don't care about them specifically. But with Armin, it's like, don't you hurt my precious Armin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like overall, like, the Attack on Titan manga, it's... It gets better as it goes along. Um... And I feel like as it as it starts to move away toward away from like the initial, oh, it's so gritty and edgy and gory. It's like it's this ain't this manga ain't for kids, uh, sort of vibe, uh, and moves more into the politicking, um, which politics become extremely important in a way that I was not expecting at all sort of leading up to that particular arc which i'm pretty sure you know what i'm talking about well Um, okay yeah i mean 
All right. Well, this gets in this. Okay, this relates to something that's actually happened in the anime already, uh, and that is the uh, the identity of Krista as like. Okay. Uh, in that yeah, because uh, yeah, what happened is actually right before. Yeah, right before the uh, like yeah, Aaron's fight with the uh, armored and colossal titan. Uh, like there was this bit. There was this bit where uh, where Krista was revealed as actually a royal. Yeah, and yeah. so like they they definitely set up Krista as an important person um, that like she'll be eventually crucial. But even from that reveal, I never like I was still kind of surprised by how like her particular arc and the events leading to the conclusion of that arc play out um because there's a like the characters do a lot of uh, do a lot of spy stuff and politicking and it's actually like really interesting um so i think as the show gets gets away from kind of the brutal action and more tour and gets to be more thoughtful uh, about its world um and it, it gets a lot more interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I really like the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the turn it takes towards like paranoid political thriller. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so overall, like, I'm actually. I I liked it more than I suspected I was going to uh, by the time I got to the end, which is chapter 93 is the most recent one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, so I, I feel like... I, I feel like sort of the the time, like the, the episodes like in between where... Uh, sort of like about halfway through the first season and like near like near the end of like sort of between halfway through the first season and when histor- when like Krista's like true nature is revealed like that chunk of episodes I think is probably the weakest that Attack, of, uh, Attack on Titan gets um and then at, sort of after that, as it gets more into the mythology of the world, as it gets into more of the, um, gets into more of the politics of the world and sort of how the, sur- and sort of like gets more into how the Survey Corps is going to affect change upon the world, it gets a lot better. So there's there's definitely a slump early on, but it recovers from it, uh, and I think turns into actually a, like a pretty solid narrative. So I I will actually probably pick up the anime again pretty soon, because it's start it's all very nearly at the part where in the manga I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. So my question is, I still should avoid watching it. Uh, yeah, there is still gonna be gore. Like I love gore. Not it, that's that's always gonna exist. Yeah, I know. Um, I love gore. Not. I I just feel like 
uh, yeah, that's always going to happen. It's just that the show kind of moves away from that being kind of its defining feature. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad I... <laughs> I'm glad I spent the time to, like, marathon through all those chapters. Uh, let's move on to Alice, Episode 7. So, Man. the twins show up. Yeah. And, like, it's... It, it was fun, kind of. Like, the... Not necessarily the twins themselves, who I find to be a little bit obnoxious, but the chase scene was fun, particularly because of how completely pointless and zero stakes it was. They were kind of... Like, Alice just started chasing them just to chase them, basically. Well, Um, you keep calling her Alice. Oh, yeah, she's not Alice. Yeah, no. Sana. calling her Alice. Sana. Uh, But, yeah... It's, I feel like there were a set of concepts that this show introduced in the first couple episodes that I was really interested in, and now these episodes, sort of after the big fight with Mini-C, have just not cared about any of those things. Well, there's a good possibility (laughs) Mini-C may be returning. I mean, maybe, but also, like... There was some cool stuff about how the, like, these, like, huge, crazy powers are in the hands of children, or, I guess not technically children, but, like, weird constructs people with the minds of children, uh, and how, and how dangerous that can be. Well, I think Sana's the only one who's not really a child. Oh, yeah, I guess it's, that's true. Son is the only one who's artificial. Well, she's... Yeah. What she... I think what she is is she's basically, like, extra-dimensional is what she is. Yeah. And that... Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, and where And so, like... And so Sana is basically the source of everybody else's powers. Yeah. So, like, the... The mythology surrounding the powers and the implications of having those powers be in the hands of either like mentally childish people or like emotionally unstable people um, was like an interesting tack to take. Uh, And the first episodes kind of like brushed on that. But ever since then, it's just been like, we these powers are fun. Let's be well, friends and well, well, chase each other. Yeah, I think the what they're it's just it's become a completely different show basically for, than well, what I felt was advertised by those first episodes. Well, I think what it's getting yeah, I think the the current the current like stretch of episodes is kind of it feels like a transitional arc or not really an arc but like a tri- feels like transitional episodes then it's that it's gearing up towards like i guess what's going to be the, the last act of the series well what bothers um, me is sana's uh airs that she keeps having all these airs and strange things keep happening i'm like right and 
Yeah, right. So that's what I think it's gearing up to is the consequences, uh, you know, for Sana and the people around her of that her powers keep glitching. Um, so I'm interested to see where the go where it goes from there. Although, and I didn't, you know, I didn't mind too much the like, you know cute slice of life stuff and the kind of low stakes uh, <clears throat> low stakes uh, you know just puttering about I didn't mind that it was you know yeah it wasn't nearly as compelling as like the first like the first five episodes but it, it was uh, enjoyable in its own way just not quite as good Yeah, I don't know. Um, if 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 you're fine with that kind of stuff, like it's it's a perfectly competent example of it. Yeah, I just it's just not kind of what I wanted from the show. Uh, yeah, I it, mean, it felt it, it felt a little like a bait and switch to me. Well, I'm gonna give this episode. I'm gonna give uh, this episode a four. Uh, I'm gonna give it a three, because at least it had the nice chase scene and, like, the glitching, which is, at the very least, some indication of where all this is, like, eventually gonna go. Um, as opposed to the previous episode, where it's just like, family's good! I will give it a four. (laughs) Alright, uh, Little Witch Academia, episode 20. The revolution, the resolution of uh, Diana's family visit goes somewhat poorly, <laughs> where well, she's trapped by snakes. Well, it <laughs> comes to figure out that Auntie and the two daughters are witches, and yes, they uh, they decide they're going to keep Diane from becoming head of the household one way or the other. Uh, and that, as we all know, if you control snakes, you're probably evil. Really? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the reptiles might be a little upset over that uh, comment. But... <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of good. I'm trying to think of of good snake people, and, and I'm drawing a blank at the moment. It's yeah, because like Harry Potter doesn't have really doesn't have good people, good guy snake people. Like the entire Slytherin house is basically like this is where all the antagonists go. Uh, Mostly, and I yeah, I don't think Naruto's snake person I believe is an antagonist. Uh, yeah, Orochimaru. Uh, yep, he's the uh, he's like. Yeah, he's the big he's the big bad he's the big villain yeah, for like the first uh for like the first third of the show. Yeah, he is the preliminary big bad. <laughs> yeah. Before he, they start going up against like legendary master ninjas and demigods and crazy shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, he turned he <laughs> Yeah, the he uh, yeah, in the last act he uh he sorta of kinda allies with our heroes. Yeah, I played the Ninja Storm games. I know. <laughs> yeah, I well, I gave up. I Which gave is... up. 
I gave up on the Shippuden anime after way too many episodes, but I did finish. <laughs> but I did finish the manga. Yeah, the the ninja, honestly, the Ninja Storm games is it's the only way I I can tolerate the storytelling pace of Naruto. Well, actually, uh, yeah, actually, an interesting thing is in uh, Boruto. Uh, one of Boruto's uh, one of Boruto's teammates is uh, this guy named Mitsuki, who's basically a creation of Orochimaru. Orochimaru. Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, I really like how we're just coming up with new and really fun ways for um, Akko to use her transformation powers. Like, it, it, specifically here, she actually uses them in, like, a combat focus, which she doesn't typically do. Yeah, and, 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 and actually her use of her, like, yeah, her use of her shape-changing spell was quite clever at times. Yeah. <laughs> Where, like, she, like, crushes the snake by turning into an elephant. And then, uh, and yeah. then, and then protects herself against the snake by turning into a turtle. Yeah, like which allows her to hold out just long enough for, uh, for Diana to recover and untransform the snakes. Yep. So at least Diana got to see one of the ancient witches, the founder of the, oh, uh, whatever her last name, clan. Uh, uh Beatrix. Yeah. Who was yeah. the founder of Who was the founder of the Cavendish family? Thank you, Cavendish. I, you know, I, I love these uh, brain farts. <clears throat> yeah, well. I, I do. I do like that Diana sort of eventually gets through to Akko. The only way that anyone can relate to Akko is by saying, "I have a dream too," basically, because <laughs> that's the only thing Akko understands is heartfelt dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, during the ba- going back to the battle for a second, you know, when she's being attacked, it's like she gets gassed and she goes, "Oh man," she says, "You know, Susie can do better than this." What are you guys up to? It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there was well, uh, it, it was a fun episode. Yeah, the, yeah, her her constant exposure to Susie's like uh, poison. Uh, it, Allowed her to hold out against the snakes. Yep, that was it's like a, that was an amu- that was an amusing touch. Yes, yeah, it's like I've had worse. Yeah, <laughs> Susie's tried to Susie's tried to kill me before. It's like yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's like you know when, when you cut when you know, when when you when you've done something and I haven't experienced yet, I'll let you know about it. Uh, five. <clears throat> I like, Five. yeah, I agree. Uh, I also really like the idea that when they get a faster broom, you can tell it's faster because it has like three brooms coming out of the yeah. staff. Tri engines, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a tri engine broom. That's how you know it's fast. You're it's right. Very, very, very right. easy shorthand. You're right. It, yeah, and it was, uh, let's see, it was. Uh, yeah, her uh, like Akko uh, actually speaking the uh, speaking the uh, 
speaking the next word that turns uh, the shiny rod into a broom. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, and then, of course, we have the sort of uh, character-building choice of Diana choosing to save her aunt and uh, sister? Cousins. No. Uh, those be cousins. cousins. Yes. Yeah. Her aunt and cousins from the terrible fate of being turned into trees rather than uh, take the blessing of the household. So we know one other thing right now, too, is if you... Uh... If you mess around with the ritual, you get rooted into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Well, you know, that's, that's what the maid said on the way, you know, on the way, don't mess with it or you're going to be sorry. Yeah, she was yeah, right. no, no one ever listens to the maid. No, you know, I've only been well, around here for like a million years and I know nothing. Although it seems at this point that, yeah, that after Diana, after like... Yeah, after they almost died, and Diana saved them, uh, that, yeah, the aunt and the cousins are probably going to start listening to the maid. Yeah, think. I think so, too. Uh, so yeah, good, good stuff. I am, I am really liking this show. It's... Oh, yeah, it's, it's very good. Uh, anyway, I... I think I already gave it a five, yeah. yeah. So let's move on to Hero Academy, episode 21, which pretty much redeems itself entirely from Ur- entirely by, like, Uraraka's actions. Um, because otherwise, this would be a pretty extremely skippable episode. Yep. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. I... There was a lot to like in this episode. I thought I particularly enjoyed uh, Ida's fight with Hatsume, in which Hatsume doesn't even care about winning. All she cared about was basically like shilling her gadgets. It was an <laughs> okay, infomercial. Yeah. It was an infomercial. <laughs> That's true. That was hilarious. Th- that part was pretty good. I feel like it went on a little too long. Um, I did like it though. If and you... similarly, I also really liked the very first fight scene between the electric user and the plant lady, mm-hmm. where, like, it just ends immediately. Yeah, the electric guy is uh, She had an infomercial. But I show know, me, like, show I... me in an oiling long infomercial, and I'll show you the typical one. So yeah, I, I got that point. But I did like the plants. I like the vines. But yeah, I I could have done with the with the support fight being a little shorter. Yeah. Um, because I kind of got the point about halfway through. I was like, okay, yeah, we know that. I get the joke, guys. Thank you. Um, I could have done without like the whole fight, the laser beam man, laser belly button fight. Yeah. Um. Uh, the fight between um the girl who can create objects and the cool ass bird dude. Uh, and, yeah, um, yeah, the yeah uh, the that... ob the yeah that's uh Yaoyorozu is the girl who can create objects and Tokiyami is the guy with the uh 
the shadow bird the shadow, stand, the shadow, shadow bird stand. <laughs> yeah, that that one was okay. Um, like it was it's not like it was bad, but at this point I was kind of getting <laughs> weary of all the fight scenes. Um, just because like they again, they felt uh, about half of them felt a bit perfunctory. Where it's like, okay, we got to get these rounds out of the way cuz technically they happened uh, before we can get to Uraraka's fight. Um, like the the part about Tokoyami's fight I liked most was just like Tokoyami's whole uh like whole demeanor during the fight and uh like the reaction that uh what's her name has to like losing the fight without hardly even getting to do anything. Yeah, Yao Yorozu. Um, yeah, so I I think it sets something I feel I feel like it'll set up some interesting um, character development for both of them later on, but I don't know. It, it's just one more fight add on the pile. Well, yeah, uh, they all can't be interesting, but at least they're you know just kind of previewing. We're getting to see what everybody's quirks are. I'm I'm just really glad we didn't have to sit through a whole fight between like the hardening ep- the body hardening experts. Yeah. Uh. Of course, then they kind of clashed, and then they cut to more interesting things. But yeah, I I really like Uraraka stuff. That like you get some hints as to what her arc is going to be throughout the scenes with her and uh, Deku in the stands. But the more the majority of it is in the last four minutes or so. Yeah, Uh, and that's the stuff that I was actually most interested in. Yeah, where he turns around and finds her gone. Yeah. It's like, oh, why are you gone? Yeah, and, and I love how the episode ends with her staring down Bakugo, who has an expression that is both intimidating and also extremely stupid. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, it's... I don't know. This episode, more than any other Hero Academy episode, has felt kind of fillery to me. Uh, where, like, there were some good parts to it, but over, I like, I could have dealt, I could have done with it being half as long as it is. Um, so I'm gonna give it a three. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna give it a four. It was. It had its the the two guys. The two guys standing there pounding on each other and and the dual knockout. It's like okay. I kind of knew that was gonna happen, but yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to Eccentric Family episode seven. Wow. That's all I can say. Yeah. This went in a direction I was not expecting. Um, granted, Eccentric Family does that a lot to me, but still. Uh, I vaguely remembered the Thursday Club from the first season. And it's like, oh right, that dude who really wanted to eat a Tanuki Hot Pot. I remember him. Uh, and to see how that escalates in this episode was really surprising. As was seeing Ben 10 fluster everyone by getting into the same hot spring bath. Yeah, cause like <laughs> she know she knows what she's doing. 
<laughs> yeah. And everybody else, notice everybody else in the pool except Yasselboro was facing away, and he's just looking at her going, hi. <laughs> I mean, look, Benton knows what she's doing. <laughs> she's deliberately showing off. Yeah. Yasubro, yeah, go ahead, dude. <laughs> take it take it all in. You still can't have any of it, but yeah, take it in. Well, yeah, they let's see. Yeah, the the Thursday Club guy is uh Yodagawa. Mm. He yeah. Yeah, the he was a professor, correct? Yeah, and actually he was uh he was in the previous episode. he was in uh, the previous episode. Yeah, he's uh, the one that sent him to hell. Oh no! Right. Yes. No, that's the uncle. No, uncle. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Wait, who? Yeah, the... Yodagawa. Yodagawa basically got what happened was is that he was uh, you know, sort of protesting against the Friday Club, uh, because he was like, uh, you know, uh, uh, basically against. You know, he came out against uh, Tanuki Hot Pots, uh, and. And so they, uh, and so basically the, the Friday Club, uh, like, derailed his career and, you know, forced him to go on a leave of absence. Uh, okay. And, you know, and, but, you know, so now he's at this thing, and, yeah, what I thought was, like, like, really the heart of this episode, for me, was the bit where, where Yasaburo basically calls him out, you know, on his, like, on the fact that, you know, even though he's, like, you know, against Tanuki Hot Pots, but he's, he, he has that position for the wrong reasons, that it's coming from a place of ego and vanity, you know, rather than actually caring about the Tanuki as people. And yeah, I, I really like his rant in this episode. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So for me, that was like that was the real that was like that was like one of the great moments of that of this episode. Yeah. Although so showing uh, like uh, Uncle Soane's uh, meltdown, that was also pretty great. Oh yeah, that was real good. I, I think what makes his speech, what made Yasubro's speech stick out, is that we don't often like get to see Yasubro just verbally dunk on someone. It doesn't happen very often because Yasubro like typically prefers to be kind of aloof, um, acting more as a bystander and wisecracker. Uh, or, or in a more extreme situation where he gets involved, he's typically the one being made a fool of. For example, anytime Benton interacts with him. Uh, so seeing him kind of like take a position of, uh, like be in the, be in this, be in a situation where he is the one speaking from authority and he is the one who's kind of like putting someone in their place basically never happens and so it's a big deal when it does yes and then of course benton immediately turns the tables on him of course you know just to be a jerk no it's benton 
just the way she is. Well, well to be fair, it's not just to be a jerk. Um, it, it's largely because Benton wants people to entertain her, and she thought, and she thinks it'll be funny. Uh, but yeah, like being a jerk is kind of a side benefit. Well, yeah, she does that. Thing is, is that she does that to everybody. Oh yeah, absolutely. Again, like, Benton kind of views people more as, like, from the perspective of how can you make my life interesting? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a very interesting episode uh, with some really good dialogue and, like, some much-needed catharsis, like, for Yesobaru to, like, see him... Like, finally be kind of cool. And also just to see Suan, like, get his. Yeah, like, Son, he, like... Right, yeah, after... You know, yeah, because after uh, Yasuburo's speech to Yodagawa, he actually gets invited into the Friday Club at the expense of Son. And then Son just loses it and attacks him. And then get shot. Yep. And unfortunately, he doesn't survive. <laughs> so get bent, Sone. Um. And then the touching scene with uh, Kaiski at the end. Is that my dad? Oh yeah. Yeah. Is that my dad? Uh, how bad hurt is he? Uh, you don't have to worry anymore. He's. She goes. Okay, I want some time alone with him. Okay, bye. Yeah, it was like, uh, I I didn't expect somebody to actually die. Yeah, that one, uh, yeah, that was, unex- that was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we've had people fight each other pretty frequently and, like, hit each other and hurt each other, but, like, usually it's kind of more in a like comical fashion where the the injuries aren't really like the consequences aren't really permanent they're very temporary well at least um, at least you know at least uh, in terms of on-screen stuff because like oh yeah i mean because the you True. know the, the emotional heart the emotional heart of like this entire series you know is how this family is reacting to you know their father you know the father being uh well boiled in a hot pot yeah, that's true. Um, e- even then, though, like the the sort of revelation of that in in the first in the first season is treated almost like as like as kind of dark comedy, whereas this death is just straight up like a dude just died. <laughs> this is serious. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no humor to it at all. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's very much different from what we've seen before. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give this episode a five. Five, definitely. Yes, much much fiving. All right. Rage of Bahamut. We're at Rage of Bahamut, Virgin Soul, episode seven. Uh, which, speaking of people dying... <laughs> Yeah, so oh, like, those poor demons. Larry and I collect correctly predicted that the events from episode six left 
uh, Nina in better control of her dragon transformation. So when the time comes for the plan that, uh, what's his name, Ragdemon, uh, uh, Azazel, yeah. has come up with to go into action, and he hugs her, nothing happens aside from her being kind of creeped out. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. and very bad things happen because of that. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like right because it turns out that yeah, after the you know after she's you know gone out with the gone out with the with the king, like you know, Azazel just doesn't do it for her anymore. Yeah, which I wonder because like. The king isn't dumb. Um, yeah, I, I almost I almost suspect that like he was that like he knew how she transformed or at least suspected, and went through all that trouble and was like so unmenable to like going on a date with her because he was like okay well let's see. Because he suspected that if he could make her comfortable with it, that she wouldn't be transforming anymore and just, like, destroying all his dudes. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how much he knows for sure. I, I know that, yeah, like, I know and that the, he, and the sh- I know that the he show suspects does, something is off with Nina. The show does seem to be deliberately keeping us in, in the dark as to how much the king knows. Um, because, again, like... One of one of the bigger plot lines in this show is Kaiser kind of like riding the sort of razor edge of being a good soldier for the king and also trying to save demon lives and sort of like going, okay, how like and sort of like trying to make cut deals with Azazel to be like, look, man, how about we just not slaughter a bunch of people and we'll see if I can take the heat off you. Uh and sort of, sort of like trying to keep those plans from his king. Uh, so yeah, how like what the king knows, and sort of when he knew it, is kind of a big deal. Uh, but yeah, it would not surprise me if like he kind of did that on purpose. No. Yeah, that's. I agree with that. Um, let's see. We have, like, a scene early on with, like, zombie omelets, which the part I liked about that the most was, oh gosh, what was it? It was when the, it was when Bacchus's duck and Rita are talking about Nina's latest date, and Nina, and Rita is... Kind of going like, ha, ah, I remember when yeah. I was in love. Yeah. <laughs> All those many centuries ago. <laughs> A long, long time ago. <laughs> when I was, when I was still among the living. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, one, the amusing thing about the zombie omelet thing is that the uh, the omelets are being made by the hand. Yeah. The, the, there's nothing zombie about the omelets themselves. It's just that they're made by a zombie. Well, 
Okay. <clears throat> but then, because Nina is stupidly calling them zombie omelets, she has to go like, no, I swear, they're good. They're not decaying or anything. <laughs> Please try them, despite my terrible marketing. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, we also have, like, scenes with Muguro, and, like, alright, uh, she's still around being mysterious and suspicious, I guess. And I'm um, speaking. Yeah, it's like, at some point they're gonna do something with that character other than, like, the one scene where she did something interesting, and then, like, maybe I'll care <laughs> about Muguro. But right now, like, they're just kind of a mystery box that I assume will play a part at some point. Uh, anyway, about two-thirds away through the episode, the plan goes into effect. Uh, and then almost immediately backfires. Yeah, the, unfortunately, Be this is uh, people with bows and arrows going up against people with uh, heavy military ordnance. Yeah, it is kind of hard to mount an insurrection when y y you have, like, just normal people with uh, some basic magic spells and the enemy has giant robots. Yeah. <clears throat> powered by heaven. Like I said, bows and arrows against uh, high-class military ordnance. Yep. Well, even before the giant robots came in, you know, the, uh... <laughs> you know, the, uh... The night, the uh, the knights were uh, giving at least as good as they got, with yeah. just their own uh, bows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The knights were I, 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 augmented with uh, anti-demon spells, I guess. Yeah, I, I did like I did like the demon weaponry being like crossbows filtered through magic glyphs to make them deadlier. Uh huh. Yeah, right. Yeah, that battle that, that, that battle sequence was cool. Yeah, it was. Um and also I, I feel like they framed it framed the desperation of the demons real well. To the point where like you had like you you had them slowly picked off one by one until only like the I'm gonna call her a succubus because she looks like a succubus. Uh, you only had her remaining, and Azazel comes in and saves her, and you're like, hell yes, Azazel! And then, like, post-credit sequence, it's like, oh, it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, the, the giant robot put the squish on her. Yeah. Yeah, like, one of the guys around Azazel just gets his head blown off. Um, well, actually, not, not even, like, his head blown off. Like, one of them gets... Like his basically turned into a pincushion by homing arrows, yeah. And then the succubus gets stomped on by a giant robot. Yeah, it yep. uh, didn't quite end the way I thought it was going to end. Yeah. So Azazel's whole plan is just completely falling apart. Of course, there was um, that there was that cold open that was kind of indicative of what might happen, but it. Yeah, and and as much of a dick as Azazel is, like he's not a good guy, at all. Nope. Um, you you feel real bad for the people who've put their lot in with him, hoping for like a better life, or to at least give a better life to demons down the road, and they just get slaughtered. Uh, 
so yeah i i it was a pretty effective sequence i feel um i'm gonna give it a five yep mm. same here uh yep well, I have to. Hey, right. By the way, the the question of the week is: Where's Favreau? Just asking. That's Somewhere. Been, that's been the question the whole season. Eating, probably. Probably. Uh, anyway. Um, let's move on and talk about recreators because Sekai Kado was a repeat. Was a clip show. So I was like, okay. I've had people talk about recreators now, say it's a good show. I'll check it out. I had enough time to watch the first three episodes, and so far, yeah, it's pretty solid. Um, it's not nearly as pandering as its initial premise would, like, made me think it would be. Um, and it's kind of an interesting concept, too. Well, uh, the the idea of like the idea of um, and like I know this has been explored in other stuff. Like for example, um, I believe it's uh, it's not adaptation. Uh, God, the one starring uh, Will Ferrell. What uh, is that? Uh, oh yeah, I, I know what you're talking what about. Is Stranger oh, than Fiction. That's uh, the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the the, uh, the example that both I and the uh, the A and N reviewer both came up with independently was that it's like uh, the book Red Shirts, uh, which uh, was this book by John Scalzi about you know like characters from a Star Trek a Star Trekish you know sci fi TV show you know finding out that they're characters in a TV show and. Uh, you know, yeah. and like warping, they're warping their way to our world to have some words with the writers. <laughs> anyway, so uh, really, <laughs> yeah, Red Shirts was a really interesting, uh, you know, bit of uh, metafiction. Uh, with and with, except you know, except that was through the lens of you know, you know, sci-fi TV. You know, and that, you know, that, that, uh, world. Whereas, yeah. uh, whereas what Recreators is doing is it's, it's basically, you know, you, you know, taking that, taking that meta concept and, uh, applying it to otaku culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, specifically, <clears throat> like, specifically fantasy, um, sort of light novel genres as well. Um, well, as he, as he... well, well, the, well, the, the various characters uh, actually come from many different media. Yeah, certainly. Like, yeah, so like, uh, like Meteora, who's like absolutely best girl. Um, you know, she was a uh, support mage character from a video game franchise. And let's see, yeah, uh, like Celestia, like sort of a main girl. Yeah, she was like, uh, she was from a light novel, uh, you know, light novel adaptation. Uh, and, yeah. And then there's other characters from, uh, there's other characters from, like, uh, from manga and from other light novels. And 
but like different genres too. You know, yeah, cause, I mean, because you have like a magical girl, you got like, you know, you got a like a knight, you know, a swordswoman, and various various other guys. It, anyway, it's really like the the way it uses like the fan like the otaku fantasy kitchen sink. And makes it like makes it almost coherent. Is actually quite impressive. Yeah. Um. I. I'm I'm not completely sold on it yet. Um. Because uh, maybe maybe it's just an issue with the first three episodes where like there's some cool there's some cool ideas there but the characters haven't really been fleshed out all that well yet. Um, just, which probably just an issue of it being early on. Uh, but one of the things I remember is like, there's, I think it's, it's either in, I think it's episode three actually, where she's, where the night lady who like has the giant robot <laughs> armor is talking to this lady who works on the anime, I think, or wait, no, is it the novelist? Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember who it is, but, uh, the, the lady reveals that, oh yeah, uh, you're, like, this, this one dude betrays you and kills your friend, and she's like, my, wait, he betrays me? My friend dies? <laughs> and then, like, she gets, and le- and she immediately kind of, like, gets over it. It's like, I think I'll just ignore what you said. It's like, you're... Like, this is all, like, real to you. Like, someone just said they were gonna kill off your friend just because it was, like, amusing. You should be way madder about this. Uh... But yeah, so that that was a little strange. Um, and, and I feel like some of the character reactions... <clears throat> are more blasé than you'd expect given like sort of the high concept of the show as being like the the characters creators make sort of jumping in the real world to interact with their creators um but it's still good i'm still enjoying it well yeah well, actually, that's sort of, it's sort of contrast with, uh, yeah, right, there's this, yeah, when you talk about the knight, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking about the, the other knight-type character, who, who's actually on the other side, uh, so, like, she's, like, this chick with a lance, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember, did she show up in, uh, the first three episodes? I don't think so. No, I don't believe so. Oh. But yeah, but because, uh, right, so I guess I won't spoil it for you then. But yeah, she, uh, yeah, the other, like, the the Lance chick has a much more emotional reaction to what's going on. But, um... Sorry, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, uh, well, actually, not really. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, I'm, 
so far, I'm really liking this. Uh, really liking this show. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna give. Uh, I'm giving the uh, the episode so far a fours. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. I think. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and the uh, the opening the opening theme. The opening theme is great because it's uh, yeah, Hiroyuki Sawano. Yeah, yeah, I actually really like the opening theme. <laughs> uh, which speaking uh, speaking of that, actually, we do have a uh, listener question from I believe it's Dayriff. Dayriff, yeah, okay. Uh, who says, um, how about you do a review of the opening and ending of each anime you're reviewing this season? Talk about the animation, the music, if it tells a story, etc. If both seem too much for one episode, you could do the ops one week and the ads the next. Thanks for doing the podcast. Um, I can, yeah, I can probably, like, do brief, uh, reviews of the openings and endings. Um, I, how about we just do openings for now? Because, like, I don't really remember the endings of all of them too well uh except for like <clears throat> bahamut which yeah. has a very distinctive one uh, uh and i'm guilty honestly of... like go ahead. sorry go ahead i said i'm guilty of hitting the skip button so i haven't listened to many openings or endings this season honestly yeah. the only ones that are particularly memorable to me are like uh uh, recreators and um, eccentric family, like Hero Academy is both both Hero Academy's opening and ending are fairly traditional shonen show openings and endings. Loud, yeah. That do very traditional shonen show things. It's like here's the cast members. Here's a like sort of completely inoffensive but also very forgettable pump you up song. <laughs> yeah, like I said, loud. <laughs> uh, whereas Eccentric Family has like sort of a more visually creative style going for it in the opening. Uh, and then Virgin Soul's opening is memorable just because of how jarring it is. <laughs> well, it's actually... It actually has quite a bit in common with the first season's opening, which is another, uh, you know, which is another uh, screamo death metal song. Yeah, Garo, I believe, has an ending like that in the first season of that show too, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, or maybe it's the ending. I can't. Yeah, remember. that I'm was sure Garo had. Uh, that. No, yeah, that was the that, yeah the Garo at one point had the yeah the first season had uh, an ending by Yosei Takoku. Yeah, and then they switched to Jam Project, I believe, and it was better. Uh, no, they had <laughs> or am I forgetting? no Jam Project did all of the did uh, all of the Garo openings. Uh, oh, they, okay. they didn't. All right. They didn't do the endings. Ah. Uh. Uh, they had another band do. Uh, another band did uh, the ending for the second core. Of, uh, I don't remember which one it was. Uh, actually, I'm sure. 
I'm sure it was loud. I basically don't even remember Alice's that well. Uh, the opening is uh... like it, it's fine. I like I, but I often don't pay attention to it. I just kind of uh. let it run because I I'm I'm too lazy to hit the skip button. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Usually, what I do is when I'm is that uh, when it comes to openings, when it comes to openings and endings, I like I switch to another window <laughs> while like you know letting it run. Until uh, you know, until the song's over, then I go back, and then I switch back to the uh, the window with uh, the video playing. I do quite like Little Witches. Um, that one's pretty fun. It has some really nice visuals going on as well. Yeah. Uh. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially this season's where like it. Uh, like part of it has um, Akko going through her various uh, metamorphoses, metamorphoses. Yes, um, that's a that's a pretty cool sequence. Um, yeah, like honestly, like the openings for this season, at least, they've been fine, but they often haven't really stood out that much to me. Like, there's certainly nothing like Ping Pong's opening. Um, or even like Death Parade's opening. Uh, well, yeah, Attack on Titan has another song by Link to Horizon. Uh, of course they do. Yeah, I mean, that's not surprising at all. <laughs> if you told me that Link to Horizon's entire musical output is making opening, ending, and insert songs for Attack on Titan, I would not be surprised. Yeah, they also did the opening. They also did the opening for the uh, Attack on Titan Junior High. Series. Okay. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course, there's a high. Of course, there's a junior high AU. Why not? Uh, oh gosh, what's Sekai Sewer Kado's? Like, I barely remember that one. Uh, uh, you know, it's Kado. Uh, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like trippy. It's, yeah. it's one of those. I, I feel like with a lot of these anime that are like more like cerebral. Um, they kind of worry about the visuals too much. Like, they kind of go with, like, this, here's some abstract stuff. <laughs> so, like, you have, so you have, like, fractals and sort of monochrome live-action footage of a city. <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. Yeah, I like I, I like it. It's just it, it's just not telling a story. It's just meant to be kind of like, ah, yes, this show is going to be different and not like a light novel adaptation. Of course, it's meant, it's meant to be a brain tingler. Oh, actually, so, uh, sort of like sort of like how you would immediately get the impression of what Banner of the Stars was meant to be, like the tone of it from its opening being like sort of like triumphant orchestral music set to images of nebula mm-hmm. <laughs> uh okay one actually one really great opening uh from this season is boruto really yeah it's uh the song is by the band kanabun who did uh 
they did the opening. They did the opening for uh, the second season of Iron Blooded Orphans, and they also did uh, the opening for uh, Perfect Insider. Okay. Oh, okay. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, and, and yeah, so like, yeah, so, uh, right, so the opening there is like, the way, like, the way they display the credits is really clever and creative. Yeah, so, so it's not just, you know, a bunch of letters on the screen, it's that they actually sort of work it, they actually, like, work the pattern of the letters into, like, the visuals of the opening. So, like, that's pretty neat, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's really cool. Cool. Yeah, like I said, I I'm guilty this season. There there wasn't uh, there wasn't much listening music that I thought of, so I haven't been. I, I guess I should go back and listen and see if I find something I like. But so far, it's been kind of like, ho hum. Well, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite is still recreators because. Yeah, I can't get that Sawano music out of my head. All right, well, I haven't been there yet, so uh, I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, yeah, you remember... Let's see, you remember Seraph of the End? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, vaguely. Yeah, that had, uh... That had, uh... That was, the music there was done by uh, Hiroyuki Sawano as well. Yeah, I remember the music there being pretty decent. Like, it didn't wow me or anything, but I was like, oh, that's a good opening song. Um, anyway, uh, I can't... I honestly can't think of really much to say else about the openings this season. Again, like, yeah, the, the only one that, like, visually sticks out to me uh is the eccentric family opening and the virgin soul ending, which we've we've actually talked about that one um, last week, in fact. Yeah. Uh, yes, the trail of the dinosaur. But yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I believe that'll be it for this episode of BakaCast. Uh, as always, you can send us questions or comments um, on our blog at www.projectharahi.net. Uh, or through our email at bakacast at projectharahi.net. I have no idea when I'll get when we'll get comment functionality enabled for audio entropy. I assume it'll happen eventually. Uh, but until then, you've got those two options. Uh, yeah. Or you can just message me on Twitter or something. I'm at StiltsGM. You can bug me there. I don't, I don't care. Uh, uh, no, don't say it that way because you know... <laughs> <laughs> you, you know the minute you say that what's going to happen <laughs> please message me I'm lonely <laughs> uh, okay okay this, this too much information brought to you by <laughs> anyway uh, Ben Dustin 3, 2, 1 Kidderbush Watch anime, don't watch the news. News gives you a headache. Anime is much better. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>